We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. who can guard in this league i'll put a gun to my own head welcome to the road wire nba podcast nick whalen here with james anderson it is wednesday october 23rd we are of course sponsored this season by fanduel.com james dwight howard did not come out and have the statement type of game that i thought he would last night um well we'll dive right into this uh this two game slate that we had to, to open the season on tuesday night of course, there's a ton to get to tonight. We'll preview a few of, of the storylines heading into night two. But um, yeah, I, I kind of thought the the Dwight Howard experiment was not great. Obviously, that was one of just many issues for the Lakers. Uh, do you want to start with that game or do you want to start with the early New Orleans-Toronto game? Uh, let's just hit Let's just hit on the early game first because okay. I think that won't take very long. Okay, so that, that a little bit less eventful. And no Zion Williamson, you know, I think that kind of... Uh, wore a little bit of the luster off of this game but it was a a win for the Toronto Raptors in overtime um, an incredible hero ball shot by Norman Powell at the end of regulation from a probably 
28 feet, top of the key, very Deion Waiters-esque shot. Um, but Toronto ends up winning in overtime, 130 to 122. Um, Pascal Siakam looked great. Uh, I thought he was maybe a little over-aggressive early on. The shooting line wasn't ideal, shot around 42% on 26 attempts, but a lot of those were tips around the basket, you know, kind of reckless drives as he's one to do. He ends up falling out, though, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, as, as things kind of tightened up. But I think the big storyline, whether you're talking fantasy or non-fantasy, from the New Orleans perspective, is how Alvin Gentry handled these rotations. And, you know, looking at the minutes breakdown can be a little deceiving because of that five-minute overtime period. But they had 12 guys play at least 12 minutes in this game. And most of those guys were in double digits even before overtime. Yeah, I, I thought it was really strange how he uh, handled the rotations, especially just in sort of key moments, not having their kind of some of their clear top five players on the court mm-hmm. and Lonzo ball uh, particularly kind of stood out to me. Like uh, to me, Lonzo ball fits the best of, of the Lakers guys. They got uh, long term. Like I think he, he kind of fits perfectly next to Zion long term. And this season, you know, I know they have the talent, even, even if Zion misses two months, I mean, they, they might have the talent on this roster to win over 40 games and maybe sneak in but the the goal should be to just develop this young core and I really just don't see any excuse for Lonzo to ever not play 30 minutes like even even with their depth uh and it's and I feel like they almost sort of overestimate their depth right now the fact that they went this deep I mean sure they they're fairly deep for a, a team that was uh pretty shallow a year ago but they're not like you don't have to play Julio Okafor and and Frank Jackson uh, a ton. You don't really have. I, to I play. don't know that Alvin Gentry knows that. <laughs> like, I, every, so I I watched uh, a decent amount of this game. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did. Jaleel Okafor just stood out to me every single time he was out there for doing something really really wrong, and that was offensively and defensively. He just does not grasp where he needs to be on offense in a lot of their sets, and he's he's obviously a turnstile on defense so uh, I just don't understand why uh, he was out there as much as he was only 12 minutes but I still just think you know Derek Favors was out there for 21 minutes Uh, I know he had the five fouls but uh, you know let Derek Favors foul out (laughs) rather than than put Okafor out there that much yep Um, I I told you before the podcast just kind of watching that I, I wonder if we sort of forgot to maybe include Alvin Gentry on the list of potential first coach fireds just because um you know there is there there's probably more expectations for this season than there should be uh for the Pelicans especially now that Zion's out uh I mean I don't think we should be thinking of this team as as a team that needs to make the playoffs or anything but this is not David Griffin's hire as the head coach sure and you know he needs to handle these rotations that's pretty much like the number one thing i would judge him on is like are you getting the right guys out there so that we can get enough of a look at them and if the first game's any indication i just don't think he's on the same page with where i'd want him to be on that well we got an extensive look at kendrick williams we got a great look at jalil okafor like you said uh alexander walker um came into this game basically gentry went five in five out with the first substitution of the game and New Orleans got off to a fast start, mostly defensively. You know, the Toronto had a few air balls early in this game. I think they were a little tight. Drew Holiday kind of struggled, but 
um, you know, defensively, New Orleans was was holding up and, and and got out to this fast start, and then Gentry pulled the entire starting five after a little a mini Toronto run, and I mean they they played the the threesome of Frank Jackson, Kenrick Williams, and Jalil Okafor extensively in both halves, and the, that group played almost the entire second half of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. You know, they're showing shots of Lonzo Ball just sitting in his warm up on the bench. And, you know, the Pelicans ended up closing with that second unit plus Drew Holiday. And, you know, then they go back to mostly the first unit to start overtime. So Lonzo Ball sat almost the entire second half and then is expected to just come in ice cold in overtime. And, of course, Toronto uh, took control of things over those final five minutes. It it just didn't really make any sense. You know, like, like you said, I understand wanting to get a look at a lot of these guys, but it, it really felt like a preseason game almost in the way that Alvin Gentry coached it. And it, it just felt like even though that starting unit maybe wasn't playing all that well outside of Brandon Ingram, he, he stuck with the bench way too long. Yeah, really just confusing as to why you would lean so heavily on your depth. It's, it's the first game of the season, too. Like It's, it's not like yeah. these guys are gassed or like coming off a back-to-back or anything. I would think lots of ball could handle playing 35 minutes in an overtime game. New Orleans played 12 guys at least 12 minutes, like I said. Toronto played seven guys the entire game. Yes, that's uh, much closer to how it should be, and that's a clear indication of a coach mm-hmm. who understands his roster. I mean, the guys who should have played in that game played for the Raptors, yep. and that, that can't really be said about the Pelicans. Uh, the one the one thing I just wanted to note, like on, on Siakam, obviously he looked really good, uh, but I would not – and I, I love Siakam. I think he's kind of a an easy top 30 guy for fantasy this year, um, you know, borderline top 25 but this was just a dream matchup for him i mean the Mm -hmm. the pelicans did not have a single guy that could check him in this game and you could see that even before the game just looking at their their roster it's like who the heck's gonna guard siakam on this team and a lot of guy, a lot of teams probably uh will struggle to guard him this year but i think this is kind of an extreme case of a team just really having no depth at uh, the forward spots uh, one statistical note that, that I, I looked up last night, Nikhil Alexander-Walker came into the game, immediately shot on the first time he touched the ball in his NBA career, shot the next possession, took the next possession off, and then shot again uh, the following possession. He ended up 1 of 10 from the field. Uh, he is the only rookie ever that I could find uh, to go uh, to take at least 10 shots and make one or fewer in his first ever NBA game. Uh, the only other rookie since the mid 80s to take at least 10 shots in regardless of makes just take at least 10 shots in fewer than 15 minutes played was mike james of the suns two years ago uh, who you may remember i think was like a fantasy darling for a week and a half and then basically flunked out of the league so an all-time aggressive debut from naw yeah a lot of his threes looked overly contested like where, where he just you know clearly should not have pulled the trigger and you know it takes NBA speed kind of takes some getting used to regular season speed. I mean, it's not like uh, the preseason or summer league where uh, you're going to have that extra sort of half a second to kind of let it let it fly. I mean, and, and you're playing one of the best defensive teams in the league, a team that, you know, for Nikhil Alexander-Walker specifically, they have like four guys that can check him pretty handily. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a learning experience for him, but I still think he's got a pretty bright future. Last note on this game or last note on the Pelicans – you know, you mentioned Zion Williamson. It's rare that you factor in a rookie in terms of what a team's upside is. But being without Zion until, you know, probably early December, and we'll see. You would imagine they'll be extremely cautious with him in terms of workload, even once he's back. 
Um, you know, what does this do to this team? See, like, I, I think this was a team a lot of people thought could sneak in as the seven or the mm-hmm. eight in the West, and yeah, it does feel like maybe that's going to be a little bit tougher now without you know a nineteen-year-old rookie. Yeah, no, I, it's a very, very rare case where I think that this kind of knocks them. I'm not going to say like out of playoff contention, but you know now they're I think they're they're clear notch below those teams that have a, mm-hmm. a very realistic shot of getting that seven or eight seed i think you know him his just fit on this team was so important because of the yeah. forward situation I, I mentioned like they just they have a ton of depth in the backcourt uh but you know the forward spots are, are pretty bleak for them so i i don't think they're gonna get to 40 wins i think that that injury kind of informs the way that they should be treating this season which kind yep. of ties back into that alvin gentry thing of you know, you, this should be a developmental year for all these guys. And the only guy that I really think you can say got that type of exposure in this game was Brandon Ingram, but he's going to play mm-hmm. a ton no matter what because of their forward depth chart. So it it should be about getting Lonzo Ball and Ingram and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, those three specifically, yeah. I think it should be about really developing those guys. We also didn't see Jackson Hayes bizarrely you know to go that deep and then not even throw any minutes to jackson hayes i thought i thought was strange yeah, kind of insulting just yeah <laughs> just, let else him, just let him get in the game if you're gonna right let everyone else play. okay let's turn to the late game lakers clippers this was actually a really fun back and forth game lakers got off to a hot start clippers closed the gap with a 40 point second quarter during which they shot better than 75 percent from the field Kawhi went on you know one of those Kawhi runs that we've kind of become accustomed to and honestly pretty similar to some of the runs that he had in the postseason last year just hitting everything in the mid-range you know really not doing anything special to even get to these shots but just hitting you know absurdly contested fallaways from 18 feet and, and he had a run you know for four or five minutes where he and LeBron were going back and forth and and the game really tightened up prior to the half but you know, even even though Danny Green kind of shot the Lakers back into this game on two separate occasions in the second half, it, it did really feel like L.A., the Clippers, that is, grabbed control before the end of the half and, you know, never really relinquished it. It, it kind of felt like the Lakers were, were battling uphill the whole second half. Yeah, and I think, to me, this, this whole matchup uh, sort of hinges on the Anthony Davis won't play center thing because with the Clippers knowing that they didn't want to play Davis at center. I mean, they, they clearly didn't. They gave uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee a combined 36 minutes. Um, that allowed the Clippers to just go small and say, like, I mean, Montrezl Harrell played. Montrezl oh, Harrell owned I think, I think Dwight he, Howard the I think entire night. he actually night. Uh, led the game in minutes. Um, but he, you know, when he's out there and the Lakers are refusing to play Anthony Davis at center, then that just gives the Clippers a extremely favorable mismatch on, on both ends, really. And I think if a lot of other teams kind of copy that game plan, like if each Zubac is a good uh, backup big man who I think typically will play around 20 minutes for them, but they only played him. Uh, Not many it? minutes. 10 minutes. Tell you that, yeah. So... I think that's a strategy a lot of other teams should copy against the Lakers. Just say, hey, we're not going to put our sort of middling big man out there for very much tonight because we're going to force you to either put uh, Davis in a position where he's not very comfortable playing center or just continue to play your mediocre centers and we'll we'll run you off the court. So I think that that really kind of opened up a, a new strategy to attack this mm-hmm. team. Davis played roughly 10 minutes at center 
last night. Um, but you know, as I told you kind of off air and, and even a little bit at the beginning, like these, this Lakers team is just so, so unbelievably shallow. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, like there were times where if you're not somebody who's really been following this team, you know, in terms of off season moves, in terms of preseason rotations, like so many people were probably puzzled when Troy Daniels walked out on the court and played extensive minutes in this game. I mean, Jared Dudley had a couple of big threes in this game, but looked a little bit out of place. I mean, the Lakers second unit, you know, I know they're without Kyle Kuzma, but I, I still didn't get the feeling, you know, you're not watching this team thinking like, man, when Kuzma's back, everything's going to be okay. Like they have extreme depth issues. I mean, their second most common lineup last night in terms of minutes played was LeBron, Dwight Howard, Jared Dudley, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Troy Daniels. You know, I, I know KCP did literally nothing on offense, but I thought he looked okay out there on defense. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he was the victim of Kawhi in the second quarter, well, but he was all over him. I mean, you, like, it's not, it's not uh, KCP's fault that, right. that he can't check Kawhi. He, he can't check Kawhi. Like, the coaching staff should know this. Uh, when Danny Green wasn't on him, uh, like, if, if LeBron James is not going to dial it up on that end of the court and, and go check him, like, they don't have a single guy that can guard him. So I don't mm-hmm. think – I don't put that on KCP, but I felt like when he wasn't on Kawhi, he looked okay out there. Uh, I thought Avery Bradley looked fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Avery Bradley was good. I'll, I'll say that. Um, too much Quinn Cook, too much Troy Daniels. Uh, when they get Caruso and Rondo back – I mean, yep. I, you know, my stance on Rondo, but I even think he would have helped them. He would have helped them immensely because, last night. Yeah, This so, was – this sorry. This was a game. I thought that LeBron was extremely hesitant as a playmaker, um, especially in the second half. You know when when Dan, like I said, Danny Green shot them back into the game, and LeBron had a couple bad turnovers where you know rather than trying to take his guy one on one, he's you know trying to force it into Anthony Davis. He's getting caught in the air, making kind of flailing type of passes, and I think they were one more playmaker away. You know they. I, mean, I think that this is, you know, I think LeBron sort of knows physically where he's at right now and that's why they wanted Kawhi so much and mm-hmm. and I think that you know this is why I was sort of saying when they got AD like it's why are people why do people keep saying they have two of the five best players they don't have two of the five best players they they probably have one in, in AD but like LeBron I mean he's just not that guy anymore in the regular season I mean maybe mm-hmm. he can be that guy in the playoffs but they really need uh, contributions from the supporting cast or they need to just go with davis at center for 30 minutes a game yep and i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon Uh, i think eventually maybe in postseason series they're able to convince him but i I think over the course of 82 games especially in a situation where i know he says he's going to resign with the lakers but i I don't think you want to push him to do something he outwardly doesn't want to do when you have that contract situation hanging over so my theory uh and i i feel you know it was kind of easy to say like frank vogel might be first coach fired just because of the Jason Kidd thing but I honestly think even if Kidd wasn't there it might be trending in this direction just because I don't I think this team's going to underwhelm defensively especially if they continue to uh, use these lineups where AD's at the four and assuming LeBron continues to put that level of effort forth on the defensive end I I think they're just going to underwhelm defensively and instead of the team saying hey like LeBron you got to try on defense or you know whatever playing more defensive minded units I think it's just going to be easy or say AD you got to play the five I think it's going to be easy to just say hey Frank Vogel aren't you supposed to be the defensive mastermind here like why isn't the defense working and then he just becomes a very very easy scapegoat and you know maybe it ends up coinciding with them 
pulling a rabbit out of the hat and getting someone like Iguodala or whatever. Um, I still don't. I don't know that he is enough. You know, I, I, yeah. they don't have the pieces to get someone that much better either. You know, you can get your buyout type of and guys, but hence, hence why you need a scapegoat. Like exactly. if you if you can't if you can't do anything actual to, to improve the the personnel. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe this team just against a, a normal NBA team will just look a lot better. Right. And, and when they're at full strength, I think it's definitely, uh, you know, I mean, they, they missed all the guys that weren't available for this game. So yeah. maybe at full strength, they look more like a, a 52, mm-hmm. 53 win team, but I could definitely see, uh, and they've got an easy schedule to start the year too. So, I mean, they kind of need to get out to a good start. Otherwise yep. I, I <clears throat> definitely think, uh, Vogel's job's in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, they play Utah next, so not an easy game, uh, but that is at home on Friday. But then they get Charlotte and Memphis back-to-back, uh, and then a little bit of a, a road swing, Dallas, San Antonio, Chicago. So, I mean, every single one of those games is winnable. I, I would say they probably lose the Utah game. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the last teams you want to face right now. I mean, I, I think if they – the Lakers' offense looked – really bad i thought for most of last night i think it was a two-man show it was very obviously a two-man show and you know like you said lebron can't get by guys like he used to be able to davis it felt like he was pressing and it's it's tough you know when he's he's not a natural playmaker at that size you know he can only do so much you're not going to have him bring the ball up you're not going to have him run pick and roll but i think against a defense like utah they might struggle even more than they did last night yeah i didn't think davis looked that bad just given the context of the no, situation he was just pressing kind no. of giving given like it's his first team with with these or first game with these guys and they're, you're playing a real i mean it was very clear in this game the clippers are going to be like a top five or six defense oh, this yeah. year so and that's without and they didn't have paul george right that's without the second best perimeter defender in <laughs> right. the league so i mean I, I think the clippers proved as much as the lakers sort of struggles mm-hmm. kind of proved i mean like the clippers aren't really going to care about the one seed but i think they might just get it anyway yeah i've i honestly started to consider that as well as i went through and you know we'll do our projected playoff seeds later in the podcast and i mean based on what you saw last night without paul george just guys like even just guys like harkless and jermichael green like really you know you watched these two games yep and those two guys would have been huge additions to either the lakers or right. the pelicans and it it just kind of goes to show the Clippers just have yes. sort of underrated depth in mm-hmm. just guys like that. Yeah, I think the Lakers targeted names and the Clippers targeted guys who actually fit. And I, I think this is yeah. one of the... What did they get Harkless for again? Like nothing? Nothing. They nothing. basically just got him for free. Right. And, you know, I, I think that's part of the price the Lakers paid for going all in on Kawhi. And then by the time, you know, by the time Kawhi made his decision three days after everyone else, it was scramble to sign Troy Daniels, scramble to sign Rondo. Yeah. Talk and about, then talk here about we go. Names. Troy Daniels. The fact that they really need Alex Caruso says, they, says they all you really need to know. Need they bad. really, really need him badly. <laughs> uh, a few other random notes from this game um, that don't have as much to do with basketball. Extremely tough to take Dwight seriously in general. And then he's wearing 39. Like 39, I would rather he be wearing like 64. He's, I'm not convinced he's going to be on this roster all year. He looks so but, bad. But if he is on this roster all year, even if he only gets like 15 minutes a game, I think he could lead the league in techs because he yep. just seems so like me against the world. Like <laughs> everything I do that gets a whistle, I'm just going to be outraged about. Yep. Like yep. He, he's kind of on on uh, the edge right now. I thought it was funny. He checked in for the first time uh, near the end of the first quarter, got a little bit of applause. I mean, it was probably a 70-30 Lakers crowd. 
And immediately, like, but, but I, I like glanced away or looked at my computer and all of a sudden he was committing an and one on Lou Williams. Like without, I mean, literally five seconds into his Lakers debut, he had already given up three points. He had four fouls and in, I think, roughly 20 minutes in this game, played more than JaVale. I thought JaVale looked great. And one thing I've always complained to you about is guys like Tristan Thompson who receive a pass underneath and shuffle their feet and can't get the ball up. Like it is a skill that JaVale McGee can just kind of hunker down and then dunk over anyone at any angle. Like being, I know he has his flaws and there are many of them, but being able to finish over and around people like he can, um, I think is, is actually underrated part of his game. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's clear that he's better than Dwight Howard. Yes. I, mean, I, I don't know. Uh, abundantly clear. <laughs> um headband lebron was back love the lakers black accessories i know these are things that you don't care about but um things that i care about deeply the chalk toss was back as well cool um yeah the only other thing i have written down here is quote (laughs) dwight is just a menace to his own team tipping rebounds he got blocked on that dunk right when the lakers were making a run lebron had a really nice drive and dish to dwight who rather than just going up for the dunk went for the big like kind of behind you know 2008 dwight like Mm -hmm. pull it back behind the head dunk got swatted from behind yep. and you can see the disappointment on LeBron's it's, face. Like just, just dunk it. Dude. The, the teammates are already in, in <laughs> mid season form with Dwight where like he goes back to the huddle and he's yep. still complaining about the call that he just got. <laughs> yeah, and like all of his teammates the are just very, yep. very clearly trying to ignore yep. him and not engage him. And Did you see the, the pregame video of uh, Davis and Dwight? I mean, it, this wasn't that, that bad and nothing really to read into, but it was just kind of funny. Like Dwight was the, he was the guy that's greeting everybody coming out of the starting lineup uh, huddle, you know? So they announced, you know, Danny yeah. Green comes out and him and him and Dwight had like a full routine that they did. And then they announced Anthony Davis. He comes up to Dwight and they just like slap hands really quickly, walk away. I, I, I don't think there's a ton of continuity there. No. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season has arrived. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone. Tons of different contests and formats to choose from, and these start at just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. Once you do that, you'll get a free six-month subscription to rotowire.com. That, of course, is with your first deposit on FanDuel. You'll get our DFS lineup optimizers, all of our premium articles, draft software, and much more. And that's not just for NBA. If you're doing season-long NFL, DFS NFL, you get all of that content on Rotowire as well. All you have to do is visit fanduel.com slash RW. Again, fanduel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Okay, let's look ahead to tonight. Huge slate. I think we have 11 games on this Wednesday, as the NBA typically does stack Wednesday nights. I don't want to do game-by-game preview. There are... Did you put down four or five teams that you never want to talk about on the podcast? We should just go through those right away and let people know. Yeah, if you're a fan I, of these teams, just don't listen to this podcast. I sent you some notes. Um, we won't be talking about... I know Detroit was on there. I'm so, on board yeah, with that. So, you know, and and I don't mind talking about, like, specific players if they're really interesting, uh, but... I don't know. I, I promise you I will be avoiding Hornets games, Cavs games, Pistons games, and Wizards games mm-hmm. whenever possible. And and that's, you know, it's tough for me to say as someone that really likes Darius Garland, someone that really likes Brad Beal. Luke Kennard. Uh, well. Former, former liker of I, Luke Kennard. I like Luke Kennard. Uh, don't necessarily love watching him play. Mm-hmm. I think he's a fine player. But uh, we, we definitely don't have to talk about those four teams. Yeah. And then. 
we should only talk about the Knicks, I think, when we're making fun of them. Because I, I don't really see any yep. point in, in sort of pinpointing like some random stuff that they might be doing well. Well, we are almost obligated to violate this immediately. Just <laughs> just to note that Blake Griffin is out. You know, that you've probably heard this by now, but he's expected to miss it sounds like at least the first week of the season perhaps you know maybe a week or two beyond that and then Mitchell Robinson also has been ruled out tonight for the Knicks which avoids the awkward situation of them potentially bringing him off the bench which David Fisdale alluded to earlier this week so speaking speaking of first coach fire yeah we had we had our concerns about the Knicks dating all the way back to July after they announced that they'd be running the power forward raid offense and Back then, it was almost more of a joke. You know, like, what are they right. doing? How are they putting this together? And now here we are with arguably their best young asset. You know, if you want to if you want to say it's R.J. Barrett, that's fine. But I I would say based on what we've seen so far, it's Mitchell Robinson. And I know he has this ankle injury. But that aside, David Fisdale essentially implied that his his starting spot for a team that's likely to win about 25 games is not locked in, which is insane. And wow. tonight, they're probably going to start Bobby Portis. Hey, you know, I mean... <laughs> I, this is why I don't like talking about the Knicks. Although I do like making fun of Fisdale's rotations. Yep. It's just, as someone that has Mitchell Robinson on multiple uh, rosters, this is uh, same here. This is you know code red, code red. Like until until we get to a point where he's started and played <laughs> like twenty eight plus minutes in multiple games in a row, then it's it's going to be a, a constant. I don't know that we'll ever get to that point. I might just drop him in situation. our in our keeper league. I have him for a dollar. What do you think? Like, is there conversations happening between? Fisdale and the guys in the front office about these plague type situations. I don't know because he. It almost seems like it's a revolt by Fizz. It was like, like, why did you give me this roster? Yeah, is it uh, man who did that? It was Ty Lue a couple of years ago. Did that specifically because he knew if he kept saying no, they were going to fire him. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Fisdale. Uh, it maybe it's something in between Ty Lue with the Cavs and like Dave Yeager with the yeah. the Kings last year, where it's just. I know better than you guys. Taj Gibson gives us a better chance to win. <laughs> well, I mean, and he doesn't have, he doesn't give you a better chance to win than Mitchell Robinson, but he gives you a better chance to win than Kevin Knox. So there's clearly a disconnect between what the organization should be prioritizing versus what they actually seem to be prioritizing based on personnel. And if you're Fizz, you can't really fault a coach for wanting to win as many games as he can. So I, I like would the Robinson thing doesn't make. Or go ahead. Wouldn't you say though that you know, if in some just wild fantasy land where this team wins, let's even just say 38 games, the, their avenue to getting to 38 wins to me is just a monster blow up year from Mitchell Robinson as, yes. like a, as like a top five defender in the league. Like that, I don't see any other way on this roster. Kadeem Allen get there. goes off. <laughs> he, Taj Gibson <laughs> reasserts himself. <laughs> Yeah, I Bobby it, Portis coming out party. This, I mean, as much as we make fun of the Knicks, they they have decent young pieces. I mean, Robinson being number one, Barrett being number two. Even I know well, you probably you're probably lower on DSJ. I mean, it they have. I think they have underwhelming young pieces for the amount of draft picks they've. Sure. Had yeah, of course. I mean, I, I would never suggest sure. that they've made the most of their draft picks. But what I'm saying is that this isn't a Hornet they, situation. Like sure. they had had and still have plenty of young players who, at the very least, are intriguing. And in a season when you're not going to win anything anyway, should be playing a ton of minutes and helping you get a higher draft pick next year. 
and for whatever reason, they've just chosen to build a blockade of veteran power forwards to prevent all these guys from playing minutes. So, all right, that's enough on the Knicks. Um, what's what's your most intriguing game that you'll be watching tonight? Uh, maybe outside of Boston and Philly, which is the early game on ESPN. Uh, well, full disclosure, that was probably the only game I was gonna uh, spend much time watching. Okay. I mean, well, I we got some bad luck with Dallas playing Washington, right? You know, I mean, Suns Kings uh, in the evening, Nuggets Blazers in the evening are, are decent enough. I mean. Thunder Jazz. When you, once you get to the West Coast, pretty much all the games are going to be decent because of just where those teams play. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the Mavericks and Hawks are probably my top. I, I know the Hawks don't play today, but uh, the Mavericks are one of my top league pass teams, but they're playing the Wizards, so I'm probably going to wait to to jump in there. I double-dog dare you to watch the Hawks-Pistons game tomorrow. See, so, yeah, I'm going to have to <laughs> postpone my uh, Hawks allegiance uh, party until they they actually play they play the magic on saturday so maybe maybe next week just kind of turn the page on that uh i I think sacramento phoenix is going to be you know i feel like these these teams play all the time and they're kind of mirror images of each other in in some ways the kings are now farther along absurdly than the the suns are uh but that should be a fun one i mean denver portland is a late game on espn that'll be a good one um even minnesota brooklyn to some degree i'm intrigued by you know am i going to go out of my way to put that on probably not uh the issue too is we have the world series going so like one tv has to have the world series I don't, do you even watch the world series uh i i don't really care uh i know i'm our assistant baseball editor and that <laughs> sounds like <laughs> Wait, what's going on but i honestly just i with the announcing and the just how long astros games take and mm-hmm. um I don't know. I, it's it's whatever. I, I'm more excited about the start of the NBA season. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I think that goes for me as well by far. Uh, what we do, we also get uh, Morant at Miami. I think this Miami team will be fun. Deion Waiters is suspended. James Johnson suspended. They're, they'll be a little bit shorthanded. Are that's you... actually, yeah, no, that's actually – I should have mentioned that one. Like the As bad as the Grizzlies are going to be from a one-loss standpoint, uh, they are very near uh, the top of the – must watch teams just because of Morant and to a lesser extent Clark and Jackson but I mean Morant Brooks Morant's probably like already sort of top five players for me to watch <laughs> in the league oh yeah he he showed enough uh like Rafer Alston moves in the preseason that I'm fully all yes. in on that I mean Doncic as well had a few yeah Doncic um, Trey Young and John Morant are, are really kind of where my head's at right mm-hmm. now um I know they're playing Charlotte but do you have any interest in checking out the Bulls I do, I do not really <laughs> not against charlotte <laughs> uh I, I feel like the bulls are i think they're only a slight favorite i think the sh- I, I think charlotte's the least watchable team in the league yeah uh I, a blakeless detroit maybe, maybe sure blakeless pistons, detroit is pretty rough yeah i'm glad they, you said them and not somebody else because the pistons are the only yeah. other team with uh with a case there charlotte might be so bad that there's kind of some intrigue there and like i will always watch malik monk i will have some mild intrigue on what terry rosier looks like as a number one like with detroit it's just we're running back the same extremely do, boring team i did find it kind of comical at times in the preseason to just sort of watch uh terry rosier run the show there because it's you know, it's something like out of some wacky '90s game where oh, yeah. two bad teams are playing, and just a guy's just running around, just chucking everything up. Uh, we'll look ahead briefly to Thursday night, uh, since you and I won't won't have a pod before then. Milwaukee's at Houston. That's the opening night for both teams. And the late game is the Clippers 
at Golden State. We've talked extensively on this podcast about the Warriors. I think we're both I wouldn't say I'm out on the Warriors, but I'm very skeptical about where the playmaking is going to come from beyond Steph and where the defense is going to be with or without Steph. But Milwaukee at Houston first. Um, I don't want to ask you for a game prediction or anything like that, but I think we're both of the belief that Milwaukee, you know, I don't know how it's going to go night one, but I think they're still going to be kind of that similar regular season type of juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, that that game intrigues me more than even like the Celtics yeah. Sixers game tonight. Uh, you know there's just so much even on the start with the rocket side like i'm just so fascinated to sort of see how uh the russ harden thing works over the first full regular season game uh i've been going back i've been flip-flopping on just how i think westbrook season's gonna go and you know before his terrible preseason I thought he was going to have a, a big bounce back year, especially in terms of uh, shooting efficiency, just because of the the nature of this offense. But now I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe Harden sets the bar even higher than he did last year, and Westbrook maybe is just sort of cool being in like a a clear not a one A one B, but a clear number two role where like a success for him this year would just be the Rockets winning as many games as possible yes. and him being part of that, even if it means mm-hmm. his numbers, his his counting stats take a hit. And I, I wonder, because, I mean, Harden has not – Harden is, last we checked, is still getting better. Back-to-back 40-point games to close the preseason. Like, maybe he's actually still getting notably better as a regular season player, and – that's going to be fascinating to watch in their first game, especially against a team that's defended him pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then just to kind of see how the the Bucks rotations look to start the season yeah. is going to be interesting. I'm with you that I think Russ will be maybe not happy to fill in as the number two, the clear number two, but I think as long as they're winning games, it'll be fine. I think if we go through a stretch where Harden really struggles and they're not winning games, then maybe we'll have some problems. And Well, and I think just playing when you're on – when you're playing with someone that's as good at offense as Harden is right now, it's almost just blasphemy to suggest they do anything else, you know, and especially right. if you're friends with that guy, like, right. Well, and you've been playing a fairly similar style, you know, so yeah. it's not, I think it was tougher to convince Chris Paul, who's always been, you know, even though he's a ball dominant guy, he's been a team offense, mm-hmm. traditional offense type of guy. Russ has been playing essentially a much worse version of this style yeah, for the last much, couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, he's already on board. You don't have to sell him on why this works. Right. I mean, when you're, watching i mean is harden i mean he might be the greatest offensive player in the history of the league right now people i I think that's such like a you know big thing to say or you know whatever word you want to use that like people will kind of balk at that but i mean the numbers in some ways bared out so yeah i think it that makes it easier i think uh like westbrook peak westbrook with with OKC Durant was probably a tougher sell because at that point Westbrook could probably convince himself I'm just as good yes. if not better than this guy I don't think he can convince himself of that in in Houston so maybe Mm-mm. you know I think that that actually is probably their ticket to the best regular season yeah. uh, record that they can get is if there's complete buy-in even from Russ yeah. that this is Harden's team yeah I agree um will be really interesting to see yeah you know, I, I expect Milwaukee and you know most other teams to kind of just at least early on try to let Russ beat them right you know I think Milwaukee's going to sell out to stop Harden as they have in the past you know they've tried out some kind of 
wonky defenses on him and i think teams will be more than happy if russell westbrook wants to take 25 shots they're gonna be they're gonna be ecstatic okay let's do our playoff seating predictions uh you can listen to the pod from last week for awards predictions um everything regarding that but we did not actually go through and do playoff seeds so do you want to start with your top eight in the eastern conference sure so i have the bucks with the one seed the sixers with the two seed celtics with the three seed raptors with the four seed heat with the five seed magic with the six seed nets with the seven seed and pacers with the eight seed okay so we have the same eight uh i went milwaukee philly boston miami toronto brooklyn indiana orlando okay the east is just not fun i mean unless you really want to go out on a limb and and be the atlanta guy or the chicago guy um which i'm I'm not sold on those teams i think it's setting up for next year's east being a lot of fun because you'll have you'll have katie and then you'll have you know you assume you you, and you'll have a healthy victor oladipo The, the addition of katie alone adds so much intrigue right and just the the fact that maybe the pacers can get back to absolute full strength the nets are at full strength uh you might have the hawks i think the bulls if they show even you know if they can get to the low 30s mid 30s and wins this year i think the hawks for sure kind of take that leap next year i don't buy that they take it this year but like the bulls sure if everything goes right john wall's back one of those teams (laughs) (laughs) so the wizards are back in contention so the wizards are at full strength (laughs) uh we get yeah year three of sexton and cleveland i mean i i like watching the celtics raptors and heat uh i or i think i'll like watching the heat i mean obviously i haven't seen um this specific version of them as good as i think the magic are uh relative to i think i think they're punching above their weight right now but they're just not that fun to watch at all um yeah i mean the nets i i don't i don't know i I don't really care about watching them a ton either. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's the funnest conference ever. Mm-hmm. But um, where where where, uh, where was the toughest sort of dividing lines for you? Like where were your sort of tiers on those seeds? So one and two, I think, are their own tier. Right. Um, three through six, I think, is another tier. I, I The more I think about Indiana, I, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised, you know, based on – what they were able to do as, as somewhat of an undermanned team for much of last season. You know, they were much better after Oladipo went down than I thought they'd be. Um, and they seem confident, at least for now, in the Sabonis-Turner front court. We'll see how that goes. But to me, they're still, you know, it, just based on how many unknowns there are, they're a step below the Boston, Miami, Toronto, Brooklyn tier for me. And you know I'm lower on Toronto, I think, than you right. are. So, Well, I, I think the Pacers, I had them as the eight seed. Like, I just think that there's more of a chance that things just go really wrong there yeah. than with the other eight teams, because I think there's way too much optimism on Oladipo from what I've seen in fantasy mm-hmm. drafts. I think that, you know, he might not get back till, I don't know, like January, February. And even then he'll be on an extreme uh, workload. He also wasn't that good last year right. compared to where he was two years ago. And, it wouldn't be that shocking to me. Like I think the Hawks are a year away, but it wouldn't be that shocking if Trey Young just lifts that offense to a, a place where in the East it's good enough mm-hmm. to sneak in. So I think that they're kind of on shaky footing. Um, would have liked to have seen a Sabonis trade. To be honest, I, I guess it might still could still happen at some point. Um, the thing with Indiana for me is none of those guys have 
the Trey Young upside. Or and, and few of those guys even have like the Zach Levine, Wendell Carter, Laurie Markinen type of upside where it's like even if everything breaks right for Indiana, what's the ceiling for this team? Yeah, Not that, that high. And they're really gonna miss uh Thad Young. Mm-hmm. Um you Bogdanovich know, I, as well. Yeah, I love I love Batadze long term, but that you know, a lot of their success without Oladipo, I think, was because of those two guys. And like Jer- Jeremy Lamb and brogdon are, are good i don't think the pieces fit quite as well as they did last year though yep i agree I, no matter where you slot them in for me I, I think indiana is closer to orlando who i have at eight than they are boston who i have at three i did did you let any of these sort of advanced analytic projections influencers no. at all i i i did with with orlando i mean like all those systems just love the magic this year so i i feel like you know they overperformed expectations last year. I think mm-hmm. there might just be something there with that regular season Steve Clifford defense. They also brought everybody back, and that means something. Even even if your team wasn't all that good last year, it's. I know Vooch had a a career year, but it's not like he's thirty five years old. You know, I, I think there's a certain baseline at least with that team. If if they don't go through major injuries, that they should be about as good as last year. And then you know you add Aminu. If you get anything positive out of Fultz, you know maybe that adds another game or two. Yeah, I mean, I kind of expect Fultz and Bamba to take more off the table than they put on the table, which is sort of it. it it's unclear to me how much they're going to focus on developing those guys mm-hmm. this year versus how much they're going to just try to get to like forty-four wins. Yep. All right, let's move to the West. Um, I'll let you give your top eight. Uh, so I went Jazz one, Clippers two, Nuggets three, Rockets four, Lakers five, Spurs six, Blazers seven, Mavericks eight. okay so no golden state no golden state okay i have denver the clippers utah houston the lakers portland san antonio golden state so we have the exact same sort of group of five up top yeah i mean it was are you in agreement that there is kind of i mean you could maybe argue that you cut it off before the lakers but i think that top five to me something would have to go really wrong on one of those teams for for them to not be in the top five honestly i mean i know last night it's a one game sample against a really good team but i was really not impressed with what i saw from the lakers and they can only fall so far but i, I think, mean that's what i mean talent. it's like the spurs and the blazers yeah, are our right. next two teams so can they fall that far no no i don't think injury? so yeah. no i mean in some ways it's kind of reminiscent of the Cavs two years ago where it was LeBron and nobody else, and they they were really just not a good team for most of the regular season, but it was impossible for them to fall beyond. I think right. they were the five that year, and yeah. they played Indy. Like, the teams below them were just in a different level, and I, I think that's kind of where the Lakers are, too, where the talent at the top is so good that they can always, only fall so far. Um, so what, what's the case for Golden State missing it? Uh, I mean, I think it's... I don't even think it's that hard of a case, I think. Uh, and I, I also think I love uh steph curry as much as anyone like I, I i think he's a clear top three player in the league uh i think he's clearly better than lebron now and i think he's uh better at making his team good than than harden is the problem is their supporting cast is as bad as i i can really ever remember on a team that people were penciling into the playoffs it's just and it's not like you're going to just any random like the Mavericks for instance who I have getting the eight seed if you look at their depth chart you know after Doncic and Porzingis it, it, there's nothing all that special there 
But there's eight or nine quality NBA rotation players like Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry, mm-hmm. Maxi Cleaver. Like those guys are NBA rotation players on on any team. They would be in the rotation. Yep. Um, the Warriors have only five guys who would be on even a bad team's rotation, and this is assuming I I'm, I don't think Clay's going to play this year. Uh, and so part of it is. You know, you're just one tiny thing going wrong. Like, Steph misses 12 games. I think they're out of the playoffs. Uh, Draymond misses, like, 15 games. I think they're out of the playoffs. Steph uh, misses one game. That's D- an automatic D- loss. D'Angelo Russell misses 12 games yeah. out of the playoffs. So there, there's just a tiny margin for error. And if they're not uh, really in the mix, like, not, like, maybe could sneak in as the 8 seed, but if they're not really in that sort of 5 seed, 6 seed type of mix, if – Clay's recovery goes perfectly well. I think they take that off the table, mm-hmm. and I also think if it gets to the final month of the season, and these guys are just very, very borderline, and they've sort of decided we're probably not going to bring Clay back this year, I just don't see um, why they would just push it that hard with Steph yep. in a year where you just realistically are not going to do anything. So I just think that there's so many ways it could go wrong. A perfect Steph season probably gets them in, but I just think there's just way more ways it could go wrong yep. than go right. I think they'll be in the mix. I think it, it could look a lot like that first OKC year post Durant, where you know Westbrook just went so insane, and like even though you could, there are arguments that in a lot of ways he was maybe hurting the team, um, you know he had some huge clutch moments, and I think they were able to get the seven, maybe maybe even the six, but they were kind of right in that bottom three all year, and I think that's where Golden State will be, but the bottom of the conference is probably better now than it was even back then. And they're just, there's going to be a lot of nights where they just, and it feels weird to say this about the Warriors, but they just will not have the firepower to match up with even a team like, like Dallas, you know, those, those yeah. role players for the Mavs you mentioned would be huge pieces on a team like Golden State or even, even the, the Lakers. Thunder has better depth than, yeah. than the Warriors and their depth's a joke too. I mean, like, we're talking someone like Robertson who hasn't played in like a year and a half, like just having somebody with that experience, even if he's coming off of an injury, would be huge. I mean, the guys we're counting on, I keep, you know, I keep referring to them as G leaguers, but they basically are. I mean, it's Eric Pascal, it's Omari Spellman, Jordan Poole, who we've we've yet to even see play an NBA game. It's Damian Lee, who's Steph Curry's brother-in-law, and it's basically the only reason he's on the team. I mean, they they went all in for a long period. It obviously paid off, but this is kind of how it works in the long term when you when you push all your chips into the middle. I also think, as good as I think their offense will be when Steph's on the court, their defense could be it really could be a bottom five or six unit because yep. they like Draymond Green is awesome in a playoff series when you've got Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant running around helping him. Yeah. But just over an 82 game regular season where he may or may not be fully engaged, you know, like he can't impact the game that yep. much when he's playing with four average or below average defenders, which he will be pretty yep. much the entire time. And you know, you look at like D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry, like those guys, when you can kind of hide them on the worst player, it's fine. But when mm-hmm. Steph Curry might be their second best defender at times. Yeah, yeah D'Angelo Russell is a worse defender than Steph Curry. I, I would argue that losing Clay meant they lost their best regular season defender. Yeah, I mean, I think they lost three of their top four regular season defenders. I mean, what do, what do they do when, like, who, like Lillard McCollum, like backcourts like that are going to give them fits, right? Or, I mean, who, who even guards well, yeah, a LeBron and, type of player? Who guards you, Kawhi? So, like, we've said on, like, how Steph's underrated defensively, but he has to carry 
the entire offense. Yeah. And so can he really be expected to be at the same level defensively that he's been in past right. years? I, I just don't think you're, – you're totally right. Like every competent backcourt is going to completely roast them. Yes, and this is a defense too that – under the radar slipped last year they were 13th in defense last season with a healthy clay thompson with kevin durant with draymond green with kevon looney and now you're basically down to draymond and looney and everyone else on this roster is an average defender at the very best right okay uh we'll we'll cut this one quickly quickly though Mavs. i love uh i think i just love the way the pieces fit that's why i'm putting them into the eighth seed i think uh rick carlisle kind of is going to remind people why he's a top five coach okay. this year. So that's that's why I put them in at eight. I want to see it with Porzingis. I hope they're really good. I think they're going to be, assuming he stays healthy and they don't overrest him, I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch. I think I, they're certainly one of the teams with the highest ceiling relative to where most people are projecting them. I think the difference for me between them and the, the Kings, who I, I think have a legitimate shot as well, is that everyone on the Mavs knows exactly what their role is and they have a way better coach whereas the Kings just have all these duplicities on the roster and uh, mm-hmm. a fairly unproven coach my argument against the Kings is they're the Kings right, and sure. until proven that, that otherwise I cannot put any trust in them all right enjoy the slate tonight I'll be back with Alex on Thursday Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.